0: Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Diabetes. These days, it's been harder than ever. People are told to stay at home or if they're working from home, sometimes that means working in the same place as the fridge. So all of these things have led to a much more difficult time for a lot of people who have diabetes to be able to manage it the most effectively as they previously may have been able to do. So there are some ways that this can be addressed. And one of the unique things that the pandemic has brought about is a way to utilize some of the telemedicine technologies to really help to reach people who are struggling with knowing what to do regarding their medicine or their lifestyle changes or what really diabetes in an A1C means for them. So I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Kevin Lum and Robert Walker, Program Director of Icahi Health, to talk about a diabetes management program that they are starting up and have been doing for a while now, but how this can actually help those who have diabetes to manage their A1C most effectively and reduce the long-term complications of diabetes. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today on the line.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: Now, Doctor Lum, diabetes. We kind of think we know what it is, but we manage it a lot, and we refer to these terms like A one Cs and chronic conditions associated with diabetes. What is diabetes, and what's really going on with sugar and insulin and percent high sugars? And what is an A one C?
2: Um, so, diabetes is you know is an endocrinological problem. Uh, there's two big forms of diabetes that we all hear about. There's type one. Uh, that, and, really, that's a disorder where your body is not producing insulin anymore. Um, and there's many different theories of how this is formed, but your body essentially doesn't produce the insulin, which is used to suck up the sugar into your muscles so you can use the, the, the glucose in your body. Um, and that's the one that we see normally developed in children, and it goes on through life. Um, but now we, we can get insulin back, and they can live a relatively um, normal life uh, throughout with, this, with this, this, this therapy that was discovered. Uh, But the more common form of diabetes that we tend to see is what's called type 2. And this is really where there's a sort of the glucose metabolism. Um, And this is when your body produces the insulin, so yeah, but really becomes resistant to the insulin. So your body can't really absorb uh, and utilize the glucose as it normally does. Usually because it's been exposed to such high levels of glucose, your body becomes uh, resistant to it in, in a way. Um, so we start developing uh, problems associated with this increased level of glucose in our body over a prolonged period of time uh, and there's many you know unfortunately many consequences that can arise from having this prolonged uh, elevated glucose level in our body uh, and some of those things that, and we probably always know somebody unfortunately here in Hawaii it's, it's so prevalent in Hawaii that we probably know somebody <clears throat> excuse me who's been affected by some of the long-term complications of diabetes such as um, blindness from diabetic retinopathy. Um, there's, you know, talk about heart disease and stroke, which is related to the small vessel disease that unfortunately the high glucose can affect our arteries and our in our body. Um, the bigger one that most people unfortunately know is the chronic kidney disease, which can lead to unfortunately renal failure that can lead to um, uh, having to go on dialysis for a, prolonged period, a long period of time. Um, another one that can lead to is peripheral, peripheral, peripheral vascular disease, so you get the, the, you know the color changes in your leg, the swellings in your leg, uh, which unfortunately can lead to sometimes amputations and um, having to lose certain limbs, whether it be hands, feet, or toes. So uh, those are some of the bigger complications that arise from this prolonged exposure to um, elevated glucose levels in our body. Um, and one of the ways we look at it or we measure it is by measuring the glucose. So we can do two sort of tests that we are sort of the standards we look at. One is going to be the fasting glucose. So, you know, you fast for about eight hours and you check your, your glucose level, usually in the morning. And we're looking for a certain level. So that can give us a good idea of how your body is processing the, the glucose. And we're looking for, you know, usually a number below 105, around that level, to see how, you know, how well you're measuring your, your glucose. So anything above that you want to see, you know, it could be a sign of, and depending on how high it is, it could be a sign of uh, your, a sign of diabetes. Uh, the other one, too, is we measure, is called the a A1- one. You know, That term, everyone's probably heard about that term before. But really, that's an average uh, over three over three months of what your glucose levels have been. Uh, and there's a correlation of that number. It's measured as a percentage, uh, and it, it tells us how much uh, basically a protein has been glycosylated by the glucose in your body, and gives us a percentage. And so it tells us over time how high your sugars have been. So that's really a, a better indicator that we use of how well your glucose your your glucose is being managed in your body. So those are the two big numbers that you'll probably hear as your doctor talks to you about uh, how well you're, you, whether you are becoming diabetic or pre-diabetic uh, or, you know, uh, if you are, if you are how you're managing your diabetes. So as we look at those two numbers, like I mentioned before, the glucose 105, uh, fasting, you need uh, multiple degrees of that level to be considered diabetic elevated to be diabetic. Uh, and the A1C, we, we tend to look at, there's multiple levels. There's the pre-diabetic area, uh, there's a, you know, you're okay up to a certain point, which is usually, Around 5.96, will say, okay, you're okay, but 6.0 to uh, 6.5 area, you tend to be in that pre-diabetic area. Of, probably people a little bit lower, like 5.8 to 6.4, you're in that pre-diabetic area, and then 6.5 and above, you tend to be considered diabetic, where your doctor will definitely want to start addressing it and start having you consider medications uh, besides lifestyle changes and such to help manage your glucose in your body.
0: So now that's a lot of information. And I think the general idea, diabetes, you have a mismatch between your sugar and your body's ability to manage insulin. So you mentioned that the A1C is a marker that we look at, and that's usually an indicator of the initial diagnosis of diabetes and A1C in your fasting sugar. For those people who have been diagnosed with diabetes, what is the first thing that they should do? You kind of alluded to lifestyle changes that should always be the first and foremost in addition to working with medications what are some of the lifestyle things that people can do and how effective have you seen that work for folks in real world circumstances
2: so lifestyle uh, lifestyle changes that we advocate for is one of the big things that's going to be exercise so getting exercise into your into your daily routine uh, and we like to advocate for you know about 150 minutes of kind of moderate exercise a week not trying to do it all one time but spread it all over the week so exercising and exercise can definitely help you with uh, reducing your a1c um, the other part too is diet so understanding your diet and there's many different diets unfortunately out there so there's anywhere from the keto to doing all these different bad diets and such like that too which can have you know positive and negative effects over on um, how your um, how your a1c is managed so you know, working with a dietitian at times to understand you know what your goals are, uh, and then understanding what you're eating, and then how to make these proper adjustments in your diet. Um, I think one of the biggest things people always worry about with certain, and we hear with diabetes, is that I have to cut out my sugars and I have to cut out my carbs and such like that too. But understanding what are healthy carbohydrates and what are the, a, a, the proper ways to include them into your into a healthy diet is important. And sometimes we need a professional to help us out, whether a a good registered dietitian or somebody who's really versed at uh, understanding, you know, how to manage people who have diabetes and how to get them to a a diet that's going to be, you know, what they they find satisfying as well as being healthy too. And understanding there's a lot of cultural things that go along with our diet. So, and especially in Hawaii, where we do enjoy white rice, you know, with our meals and such like that. But, you know, how can you incorporate the, you know, healthy grains or substitutes and stuff like that are very important in maintaining a healthy sort of lifestyle, especially when it comes to diet. Uh, another big portion that we like to advocate for is uh, managing your stress. Uh, stress plays a huge part about, and we find that in diabetes too, um, you know, we're, we're chronically, if you're chronically under stress, you're exposed to a certain hormone in your body called cortisol, which, you know, it helps you when you're in your fight or flight kind of a hormone. So. You know definitely when you you need it and you're stressed out it makes you want to run away or makes you want to be able to fight off something you want that level to be high so you can you can act in the proper way but over prolonged periods of time when you're under chronic stress and this level is chronically high it keeps your sugars high and that's the, the negative part about it it helps you to it, it, it it's negative uh, helps you negatively affects you and that keeps your sugar levels high giving that, that elevated sugar and then leading to these complications so managing your stress in the right way so you know we. We like to advocate for people to start managing their stress, whether it could be, um, like, yoga. It could be doing activities like meditation, mindfulness, uh, guided imagery, and such. So mixing these types of techniques into your, into your daily life um, will be important to how you manage your stress. Uh, another big part is, is kind of like we like to call it, like, group support, but really how do you surround yourself around with people or, or those types of things you are really kind of decreasing, like, this isolation uh, being able to talk to people, having good relationships, how do you build a community around yourself? Uh, so you, when you feel supported, you can also feel supported with other people too. Uh, but so those are some of the big ones that we like to advocate as far as lifestyle type of changes. So again, exercising, managing your stress, um, eating a healthy diet, uh, and then you know how do you build yourself a community or have that support in and around yourself too?
0: Well, speaking of a community, we've got. A whole bunch of supporters that help us here at HPR. And when we come back, uh we'll be talking more with Ikaki health center about their diabetes management program. And we're going to talk with Robert Walker and also again with Dr. Kevin Lum about what is unique about their program and how is it helping us to address diabetes, particularly here in the islands, because it is so prevalent, but also with the whole restriction with coronavirus and get together and going to places in groups, how have they found a unique solution to help provide excellent quality diabetes care where people need it the most, which might just be in their own home. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
2: Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and & Pleadwell, a communication company.
0: Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I have on the line Robert Walker and Dr. Kevin Lum from the Icahi Diabetes Management Program at Icahi Health, and right before the break, we were talking about some of the huge issues that people with diabetes need to address, lifestyle changes. Dietary changes, but also another key one stress management. We all feel stress at various times in life, and sometimes that affects us more than other times, and that can definitely have an impact on our sugars. Now, considering this multifaceted approach, uh, Robert, tell us a little bit about what this diabetes program does, and how have you been able to transform this to a type of program that may be accessible even throughout the whole state? So you need, the Akahi Wellness, uh, Akahi Wellness is really a
1: unique program. It's a team-based approach. It's comprehensive in nature where we really look at the entire person as a whole, both body and mind, and really um, give them the resources that they need at the right time to help better manage their diabetes. Um, so we looked at um, a lot of different team-based models that were uh, are common on the mainland and looked at a Wagner Chronic Care Model, which really talks about the four challenges uh, to getting people to understand their chronic conditions. And it starts out with time with providers, at coordinated care, meaning that you're getting the same message from many, many of your providers. Comprehensive, meaning that it is treating all aspects, and then really taking time for patient education. So what we've put together is that group education, where people join groups of 10 to 12 people, um, and that's led by our healthcare providers and getting down into what is the basics of diabetes. So things like healthy physiology, what is diabetes, what happens in the long term if you're not controlling your sugars well. Um, things that you can do from a food aspect, from educate, uh, from exercise, uh, and even uh, as Kevin and, or Dr. Lam had alluded before, with um, behavioral health, with managing your stress and informing healthy habits. Um, and we pair that group education with one-on-one visits with our healthcare providers. So we have an APRN to help manage your whole health. Uh, we have a pharmacist that will do medication review with you and help you to understand what your medications are, how to take them safely, and even review your supplements because there can be some interactions between some supplements and medications. We have a registered dietitian which would help you understand what your diet is and what your dietary goals are, help you with meal planning and really understanding what um, foods you may be eating that could cause spikes in your sugars. And we have a behavioral health specialist uh, which uh, like understanding where your stressors are and your anxieties. looking at your emotional well-being and helping to set those long-term goals and and changing those habits that you have into healthy habits. And we also have a nurse case manager that helps navigate all of this. So it helps uh, coordinate all of the different types of services you can get at Akai Health so that you can manage your uh, goals and get your A1C to where it is, but also your overall life goals, where would you like to be as far as your health and wellness it really help you navigate our care so that you can get to go as, as you would like to.
0: Now, we've talked about some of the changes that have occurred in the way in which medicine has needed to alter the way it's practiced in the last couple of months. And one of the things that's happened is a lot of providers have adopted telemedicine like never before, mainly because we still need to care for patients even if they can't come to the office or they may not feel as though it's safe. So we found a lot of ways For people to be able to get medical care using different platforms, whether it be telephone visits, whether it be video visits, whether it be in the office for certain things that require an essential physical exam. How has Icahi Health looked at this diabetes program and been able to alter the way in which you are addressing some of these needs with patients, particularly for those who may not find it's convenient to come to Icahi or they don't want to necessarily get a ride or take the bus or be around other people? What have you done to to address that?
1: So we were looking at two different things um prior to covid nineteen and we had we had let's say, toyed with them a little bit. So we had remote patient monitoring, which is our, the ability for our providers to actually access your blood sugar, your blood pressure um, that you do at home, and then the data is sent through the cloud into a portal where our providers can access that data and then help you manage your health better by, by looking at the trends of, that the data shows them. We also had uh, set up some telehealth venues mostly through Zoom, um, and our, our electronic medical record input health also has a uh, virtual uh, session through telehealth as well. On March 17th, um, just prior to the stay-at-home order, uh, we decided that we would take the entire clinic virtual overnight. So we, had, we called everybody on March 18th um, and said that we needed to switch over to a virtual platform. And since then, uh, 85 to 90 percent of our sessions, whether it's be one-on-one or group sessions, are all done virtually through telehealth, um, through Zoom, through Input Health, um, or through Teams, uh, which is a Microsoft telehealth platform.
0: And was it difficult? We literally
1: treat everyone, no matter where they are, um, with these services.
0: Yeah, I find that even in my own office, it was a little hard to transition to that. But once you got the system working, it seemed to really help meet patients where their needs were. So did you find that, I mean, you said overnight, that just, it made me smile a little bit, thinking, yeah, that is kind of how everybody had this happen. But did you find that there were any unique benefits to going to this remote type of a program?
1: So folks that didn't easily get to our waterfront clinic, could now access um, our services easier, so it was a big benefit for folks that lived out on the, the west side and didn't want to drive into town. Um, it also was an easier way for folks that were busy working to access services. So instead of taking like, two or three hours out of out of their work day to come for a one hour or a half hour appointment here in the clinic, um, they were just able. Most people were working at home when we first started this, so it was literally changing from. A work meeting into a, a a session with one of our providers, and then changing right back to work. Uh, so it's been very convenient for for folks who live farther away and don't want to come to the clinic, as well as for the the busy professionals.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like you adapted to meet the needs of the community and, in fact, may have expanded your outreach even further than you ever anticipated by providing these types of services. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about their success so far. What sort of information have they been able to gather from providing this program even before it went remote? And what are some of the successes? How low can someone's A1C go? And what kinds of things did they have to do to get there? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us.
2: Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor, Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center.
0: Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Robert Walker and Dr. Kevin Lum from Icahi Health on the line, and we're talking about the Icahi Diabetes Management Program. Now, this went, as you mentioned, Robert, online overnight, and that's a pretty incredible achievement that you've both made. And in the process, you've also been able to take a look at a more longitudinal way of how well the diabetes, for those people who you help assist, how well has their diabetes gotten how what are the average a1c numbers that you started off with and for those folks who do have sugar issues how much better have they gotten are there any particular numbers that you're able to share with us um sure so uh
1: overall a1c for our uh, all of our participants has dropped about 0.6 points which is 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 pretty remarkable uh the other um The other measurement that we look at is average duration of participation. And for our our participants all up, it's it's about 300 days. So this program is is set up so that once you start the program, you actually can take advantage of it for as long as you would like. Um, And we did start it in April of 2018, but it's been through a couple of iterations. So folks that had joined us early on, Uh, had a quite different experience. We really optimized it around the Wagner chronic care model and team-based care uh, as we learned as we went. Uh, So folks that are active with us today, they're actually on average have been active with us for about 400 days, and they see an an average A1C drop of 0.8. The folks that come and about 20% of our population have A1C's that start above 9. So this is what would be considered out of control as far as their A1C. We, we get a good portion, up to about 50% of patients to start up uh, with A1C's above 9, to goal, which would be below 7. And those folks have seen an average A1C drop of about 2.5 points. So that's, that's where the really remarkable A1C drops are. Um, but we also help the Folks with uh, A1Cs below 7 stay below 7. So about 80%, 90% of our folks that have started with a lower A1C have been able to stay at that low range. Um, and as, the, as you're moving through, as you're, as you're living your life, uh, what you want to do is keep the A1C as low as you can, as safe as you can, uh, to prevent the long-term damage that the high glucose can have um, for you.
0: Now, Dr. Lum, when we talk about these numbers, you know, we're looking at in some folks maybe a 2% drop, in other folks maybe a 0.6% drop. What does that translate to in clinical terms? That is going to reduce somebody's risk of having strokes and heart attacks by how much? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a huge percent change, but in the, in the actual measurements of people with diabetes, these are huge, significant improvements. Is that right?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. When you're looking at distrust by getting people, as Robert was saying, towards goal of getting into control uh, has a tremendous impact on their you know, uh, their long-term complications or preventing their long-term complications. So, And really, that's in essence, what we're trying to do with getting people under control is really preventing the long-term sequelae from having the elevated glucose, as you mentioned, stroke, as you mentioned, uh, chronic kidney disease leading to dialysis, the peripheral vascular disease, uh, heart attack, stroke, as well as the blindness from the the retinopathy and stuff too so uh, essentially as we can get them uh, get them to control or under that 7.5 to 7 range uh, what we consider control we really kind of mitigate those long-term complications uh, for those those people who have diabetes and that's essentially what we're trying to do by getting to them the goal
0: are there any particular success stories that stand out
2: um, some of the you know some of the things that we've done uh, and one gentleman in particular you know he he comes into a He's about I think he was a 52 year old gentleman that comes in his diabetes out of control, um, having difficulty with you know with his physician um, and his I think his A1C I think was above like 11 or so so definitely having difficulty managing his diabetes. Uh, he's able to come in we have a great interaction with our staff um, and was really. It's, and what we provided with him was an ability to really be heard and to understand what his big barriers are to managing his diabetes. And it was a it was a conversation to find out, like you know, oh, by the way, I don't like taking multiple kind of meds. I don't like taking two meds, or I believe it was I don't like taking more than one shot. I think it was. Um, and so with our clinical pharmacist, it was just identifying this barrier for him, and then we were able to co- uh, figure out a combination sort of medicine for this gentleman, which now he's decreased until he's taking just one shot once a week. And his A1C is under control now. We've been able to get him under 7.5. And it was a change of just you know, really understanding what his barriers were uh, and then understanding what his goals were to managing his diabetes and then finding the solution uh, with our staff uh, to find that you know we can get him under control. Now he's been maintained under control. He's an active participant with our clinic and still, and still coming back and Again, still maintaining where he's at. So I think that's a, you know, when you talk about big success stories, for me, that's a big success story is that we can, we're we able to really uh, get to some of the root of people's difficulties and really help them uh, understand their, their diabetes and then provide them with solutions which are manageable and get them to not only our goals, but their goals also to manage their
1: diabetes
0: well and i think you have a unique aspect of your program which allows for people to continue to have their medications managed by their primary care providers or also to have the medications managed by the team that you talked about using the using the certified clinical pharmacists and also the advanced practice nurse practitioners and kind of, you know, sometimes if one and I see it in my own population, they have diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, gout, and a couple of other medical conditions, and you're trying to address them all at one visit. And sometimes you just don't have the ability to get in depth with any particular condition, as much as you want somebody to have their numbers improve. So one of, the, one of the aspects of your program allows for that medication management to take place through ECAHI Health. Is that right?
2: Uh, yeah. We, so, you know, the one thing we like to do, we always want to work with their primary care physician. So, you know, we like to take over the care, like to manage their care, but also we keep good communication with their doctors. So, you know, they do afford us the ability to manage their medicines, And with our clinical pharmacist, along with our AR, APRN, we're going to get good, you know, good understanding, again, um, using a, a little used resource, like with primary care, using the, the, the clinical pharmacist to understand their medications, to, to dig into that part of it. And then we can be able to, you know, make timely uh, medication adjustments should we need to because we we're really attuned to what's going on. As Robert said, using some of the remote patient monitors see trends in their sugar, we can make adjustments as we need to, uh, not quite on the fly, but pretty darn close to it as people – are able to measure their sugars, we can help them adjust uh, accordingly uh, to help them get, again, get to their goals.
0: So, this approach really allows for your clinical pharmacists and health education and nutritionists to kind of all work together to help understand the patient's goals, but also help them to achieve better numbers and what they're looking for and reduce the risks of chronic medical conditions.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, again, we take the team approach, so we're not just work, looking at the medicine part of diabetes. We're trying to understand the whole person, so that we're treating the, again, as Robert was saying, the whole person in the Wagner care, chronic care model. So we're adjusting the stress, we're adjusting the diet, we're adjusting all these different things, and we we put it together. So our team, through collaboration, are able to, you know, somebody might be deal they're having trouble with the diet, but with a behavioral specialist, we work together so that, that the dietitian can now intervene in the, in the proper manner. So. Um, Again, this coordinated fashion of care that we're we're implementing has been uh, highly successful and really adjusting, as Robert described the numbers, uh, helping people manage their diabetes, but it's a coordinated, collaborative effort that we really get our best results.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us. If anybody has any questions, you can always take a look at our Facebook page for Hawaii Public Radio for The Body Show, and you'll find more information on how to get in touch with the Kahi Health. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can always click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Thank you to Icahi Health. Thank you to Robert Walker and Dr. Kevin Lum. And we will see you next week right here when we talk more about how to stay healthy at in, in all of these trying times. Hang in there.